We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up Show, Best Game Cox podcast on the internet. Today is Thursday, April the 29th, 2021. Today's show, I break down this weekend series as Gamecocks baseball travels to Oxford, Mississippi in Swayze Field to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. Guys, I'll break down the series in its entirety first. Of course, we'll talk about Ole Miss, their pitching, their hitting, their season to this point. Also, of course, South Carolina, the weekend rotation, what to watch for. Key player of the weekend is, again, the Gamecocks and Rebels meet in a pivotal SEC series. Also, guys, news and notes to get into your listener questions. And on the note of the South Carolina Ole Miss series, I talked to Ben Mintz, a.k.a. Barstool Minty of Barstool Sports, an avid Ole Miss Rebel supporter, guys. We talk about his path in sports media, path to Barstool, the Ole Miss Rebels baseball team, their season to this point, of course, this weekend series, their coverage of college baseball, guys. Much, much more in a packed conversation, guys. We have got a fantastic show here on a Thursday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company, and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, customer Custom crating and packaging for special items and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys. So a Gamecock owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether you're in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Or guys, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it. Going on. Happy Thursday. Hope you're doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show as always. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We have got a good one today because, of course, it is Thursday and we're talking Gamecocks baseball weekend series. This weekend, heading to Oxford, Mississippi to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. Guys, again, thank you so much for tuning in. We've got a packed show. I'm very excited. Again, we're back to a normal Friday through Sunday weekend series schedule, which I know a lot of us are happy about. You know, Thursday through Saturday was cool. Don't get me wrong, but it seemed like 
We don't have very good luck with Thursday through Saturday as far as the scheduling is concerned. We played a doubleheader on a Saturday, played a doubleheader on a Friday. It's like, you know what? Maybe we should just get back to the normal old Friday through Sunday routine and stick with that. And for now, at least, the Gamecocks will return to that schedule this weekend. Again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I want to start the show by saying thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So grateful for you guys. Everything to love and support, man. The content is absolutely freaking rolling right now from the daily crow to the podcast to the vlog to you know we're getting the road to glory the the uh the NCAA football simulations the NCAA football content stuff rolling back up I'm really excited for that as well if you guys aren't tuned in we just went live our first time last night an all new road to glory series that I'm doing with Luke Doty the difference between this one and the ones I've done prior I finally found an updated roster so for example guys like Amarian Brown Jason Brown, EJ Jenkins, these guys are all on the game. So really fun stuff, really exciting stuff. Hey, you can mock it, you can laugh at it, but secretly deep down, everybody knows we all love that content. We all love the NCAA football game. We all miss that. I know we're all clamoring for the next release of the game, but for now, hey, this is what we got. And like I always tell you guys, all we got is all we need. But anyways, I appreciate you guys tuning in, guys. Really excited to get into it. So without further ado, let's dive into it. Oh, by the way, on the note of the series, like I mentioned in the intro, guys, we have a fantastic conversation. I'm not sure I ever thought I would get somebody on these airwaves from Barstool Sports, but here we are today, this Thursday, April the 29th, Barstool Mincy, Ole Miss Rebel fan, very, very well-versed in his Ole Miss baseball and obviously heading the college baseball content, Barstool Sports. He joined me. You guys can hear that conversation a little bit later. A lot of good intel, a lot of good intel and things I don't know that I would have known otherwise about this series upcoming this weekend. So a really great conversation. But again, let's dive into it. South Carolina traveling to Oxford, Mississippi to take on the Ole Miss Rebels in a pivotal series for really both sides. I mean, really, this is an important series for both of these teams. Again, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday at 7.30, Saturday at 7, and Sunday at 12.30. The Friday and Sunday games will be televised on SEC Network Plus. The Saturday game, Saturday night will actually be on the big channel, SEC Network. So, again, Friday, Sunday on SEC Network Plus, Saturday on the big channel, SEC Network. Of course, Ole Miss of the SEC West, their head coach, Mike Bianco, one of the best, or Mike Bianco, excuse me, one of the best coaches in the SEC. His son, I don't know if you guys knew this, Drew, he plays at LSU. So, if you were you were wondering when we played them, if you you drew the, you know, the, the, uh, the parallel there, and you're like, oh, well, that, are they related? Yes, that's his son, believe it or not. So Mike Bianco, again, 2021 record for them, 28-12, and 10-8 and 8 in the conference. And here's the thing with Ole Miss. They've lost their last four series in a row. So when we're talking about South Carolina and the Game 1 Blues and the Friday Night Blues and all that, they're having their own issues when it comes to Game 1. They avoided the sweep last week and against LSU in a walk-off win in their final game. I believe that was on Saturday, but... It's been a really rough go for Ole Miss. In regards to, I guess, preseason expectations, again, they're not having a bad season necessarily, but they started 6-0 in SEC play. And ever since then, guys, again, 4-8 and eight and lost their last four series in a row. It's been tough sledding here of late, which is why I said this is a pivotal series for both sides, not just for South Carolina. Let's move into their pitching and their hitting, guys. We'll start on the bump. And this is where I really picked up a lot of intel from Barstool Mincy. Shout out to him. I did not realize the questions that are surrounding this Ole Miss pitching staff. And, guys, if I say anything about the Ole Miss pitching staff in regards to who's going to pitch when and all that, that's inaccurate because, obviously, we're releasing this on Thursday. And this information actually comes out on Thursday, which is kind of backwards, but whatever. But if any of this information is wrong in regards to who is starting, when they're starting, whatever, I do apologize because there are so many question marks surrounding this Ole Miss pitching staff, and, and most notably Gunnar Hoagland. Their top guy, their ace, their Friday night guy, who I've gotten to watch pitch a couple of times, most notably watched that Mississippi State game. I watched him against Florida. A typical Friday night ace. He's 3-2 and two with a 273 ERA. The stuff is filthy. He's a phenomenal pitcher. But he has been dealing with arm issues and did not even pitch last weekend. Now, Ole Miss, being careful with him because you think to yourself it's a long season. You've got the postseason. And also, hey, Gunnar Hoagland's possibly a top 15 pick. So they don't want to do anything to jeopardize his future. But what does that mean for this weekend series? Again, he will be questionable for the series this weekend. How does that help South Carolina? Or how does that affect the series overall? Also, according to Barstool Minting, again, you look at the stats, you know, it's fair because they have a 4.06 team ERA. And that's factoring in guys like Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy, who is a fantastic Saturday arm, has an extremely low ERA, 1.81. A 4.06 team ERA, though, where does that come from? 
the bullpen. The bullpen, according to Barstool Mincy, a complete liability for them. They've had a lot of issues with the bullpen. So with Ole Miss, it's kind of a mixed bag. Again, 4.06 is not a terrible team ERA, but a ton of questions surrounding this Ole Miss pitching staff. And again, I'll talk about this starting rotation, guys. Like I said, don't hold me to it. This could be completely wrong. I'm going to tell you guys what I think it might be if Gunnar Hoagland returns. Again, if he doesn't, who knows? I mean, absolutely who knows. They had a guy, I believe it was Drew Wilson. I believe he started the Friday night game for them last week. Um, I'm trying to see. Let's see. Or no, was it Wes Burton? Yeah, Drew McDaniel, I think, or Wes Burton. One of those two guys uh, started the Friday night game, but it's been kind of all over the place for them. So right now, this is probably what I think it's going to shake out to be. Friday night, tomorrow night, right in the pitcher, Gunnar Hoagland. Of course, he's their ace. Three and two of the 2.73 ERA. Then Saturday, they will turn to left-handed pitcher, Doug Nikhazy. Four and two with a 1.81 ERA. A really, really good southpaw. One of the best in the SEC. And then Sunday, I've got TBA, guys, because I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, last weekend for them, it was Johnny Holstaff in the final game, game three. I'd assume they'll probably do the same thing again. But again, do not hold me, do not hold me accountable for it because at this point, I really don't know what Ole Miss is going to do in regards to their pitching staff. And, and that's certainly going to be one of the top storylines going into this series is just what does Ole Miss do on the mound? When it comes to the plate, listen, Ole Miss is a lot like Arkansas in the sense that, yeah, they're good on the mound. They've got quality arms. But hitting is where they make their money. H- hitting is where, you know, is, is the strength of this ball club, no question. 301 team average. They lead the SEC with that mark. And, hey, guys, that's without Tim Elko, one of the best players in all of college baseball that went out a couple of weeks ago. I believe he had an ACL tear, but either way, was having a fantastic season, and you truly do hate to see it. Tim Elko's stats, when he got hurt, he was hitting 340 with nine homers and 36 RBIs. Guys, that, that, that's pretty solid numbers. But 301, again, leading the SEC in average. They've got 48 home runs as a ball club, 403 on base percentage, and 25 for 38 stolen bases. Guys, again, simply put, they can swing it. Players to watch for for Ole Miss. You got to start with the infielder TJ McCants. He's leading their team in average with a 345 clip, four home runs, 18 RBIs, a really, really talented player at the top of that Ole Miss lineup. You move to infielder outfielder Kevin Graham. 335, eight home runs, and 35 RBI. And then outfielder Hayden Leatherwood, a guy that's come on really strong late for them, according to Barstool Mincy, 265 average, six home runs, 26 RBI. But again, you go up and down this old Miss lineup, man. There are so many guys that can hurt you. Hayden Dunhurst, Kevin Graham, Justin Bench, Jacob Gonzalez, you know, Ben Van Cleve, uh, you know, John Ross Plumley, the old Miss quarterback. He's a pretty damn good one. Uh, you know, Kale Baker, who's come on at first base since Tim Elko got hurt. He's been good for them, too. So they have got weapons. This is a lineup one through nine for Ole Miss that can beat you. You make a mistake, they are going to make you pay. Let's take a look at South Carolina, guys. The weekend rotation, of course, it'll be the same. Right-handed pitcher Thomas Farr will go tomorrow night. Right-handed pitcher Brandon Jordan on Saturday. And then right-handed pitcher Will Sanders will close it out on Sunday. Let's move into what to watch for, guys. Top storylines for this one. Because, again, storylines are all over the place in this series. It's crazy. You know, before I talked to Barstool Mincy, I knew this was a big series. I knew it was really important. But after talking to him, after talking to him, I got a little more perspective of just how big this series is. And again, we talked about that old, that old Miss pitching staff earlier, and I talked with him about it. The top storyline to me, you know, or at least one of the top storylines is what is the status of Gunnar Hoagland? Because if you don't have him and you're old Miss, if you do not have him, that is a huge blow, man, because that's one of the top SEC guys in this league. That's one of the top Friday night guys in this league, one of the top arms you're going to see uh, really in college baseball. And like I said, I got to watch him pitch a couple of times um, against Mississippi State, against Florida. Most notably, I watched their games. I mean, the guy just has it all. You know what I mean? He's going to be a guy at the next level. I think you're probably going to see him in the big leagues in a, in a rotation at some point. But what is his status? And if he cannot go, how does that shake up the Ole Miss pitching staff? And if he can't go Friday, but maybe later in the weekend, or maybe he can go out of the bullpen, like how does that shake up what Ole Miss is going to be able to do on the mound? Because again, you know, they make their money at the plate swinging the bats. We all get that. But great pitching beats great hitting. And you look at this now, it's a South kind of offense that, yes, it was the Citadel, but maybe they found something to be to feel good about. Maybe you see a Gamecocks lineup coming to this game tomorrow night with some renewed confidence, with some renewed energy, and can hit around if it's not Hoagland, can hit around whoever is on the bump and can finally win a game one. Maybe that happens for you. But again, what is the status of Ole Miss righty Gunnar Hoagland? That is going to be a huge storyline. I think it's going to go a long way in who wins this series. 
You know, if Hoagland can go, obviously the, the, the task for South Carolina on the road becomes much, much tougher. And if he can't go, I think that's a huge break for the Gamecocks, guys. I'll be totally honest with you. Speaking of game ones, you know, you knew it was coming. Until South Carolina can win one or does win one, weekend after weekend, one of the top storylines and one of the top things I'll be watching for is can the Gamecocks finally, can they finally win a game one? Can they finally get rid of the game one blues? I don't know what it is, guys. I, there, there's really no rhyme or reason as to why the Gamecocks have struggled so mightily in game ones. I, I know you're facing the best pitching. I, I totally understand that. You know, and that's fair. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to discredit our guys and, and and whatever. You know, I understand you're facing the best of the best. But at some point, you know, I think Wes Clark, or excuse me, not Wes Clark, Thomas Farr, I think Thomas Farr, thankfully, sort of exercised some of the demons and got the fan base off his back a little bit when, you know, he went seven strong innings, three earned runs against one of the best lineups in the country in Arkansas. But at some point, your hitting has got to pick you up. The rest of the team's got to pick you up. Thomas Farr has been doing his job, guys. I've been saying that all season long. He has been doing his job. Wouldn't it be nice in a game one on a Friday night to score seven or eight runs? Like, wouldn't that be such a convenience? Wouldn't that be such a luxury to not have to worry about, okay, well, if Thomas Farr gives up a run or even two, we're shit out of luck. Like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice to give Thomas Farr a lead? I mean, when is the last time Thomas Farr pitched the lead? I would love to know. I, I'm not looking at it right now, but when is the last time he pitched with a lead? Because it, it's, it's had to have been forever. I mean, honestly, I think it's probably had to go back to the non-conference. It, it's truly been that long. Imagine what Thomas Farr could do with a lead. I mean, we've seen it with Will Sanders. We've seen it with Brandon Jordan. We've seen it with everybody else except Thomas Farr. When you give a pitcher a lead and you can jump out there and you say, you know what? <clears throat> You've got the lead. Now you can attack. Now you can work. Now you can do your thing. It just completely changes the way a pitcher is able to go out there and work and obviously getting the momentum is huge too. So can the Gamecocks finally win a game one? Because like I told you guys last week, you know, you play with fire long enough, you're going to get burned. I think you lost that Arkansas series in game one, not game three. And when you're on the road at Swayze, Full capacity, guys. It's going to be a packed house. It's going to be crazy. You know, we talk about the rowdy roosters. Hey, they're rowdy in their own right, Knoxville, Mississippi. The beer showers, all that stuff. That's going to be happening. I feel like, it, it. you know, I'm not going to say, like I said against Arkansas, that, hey, if you lose game one, I think you lose the series. But, again, if you keep playing with fire, you are going to get burned. You cannot make a living in this conference, especially on the road. You can't make a living losing game one and saying, oh, we'll just win games two and three. You don't want to be in a rubber match situation on Sunday with the, with the series on the line at their place. You don't want to be in that situation. So can the Gamecocks finally snap out of their game one blues? Can they finally win a game one and get off to a good start in this series? Something else I'm watching for, and again, we're talking about the Gamecocks lineup. Back to that in the batter's box. Wes Clark, hey, great night on Tuesday against Citadel. Three for three. Two doubles and a single, two walks, exactly what you wanted to see from him. Was that the start of a hot streak? Was that the start of a turning point for West Clark getting back to the West Clark of old? Or was it just a one-off and it was against the Citadel? Will West Clark stay hot for you? Because I said it last week and I'll say it again. It's hard for me to envision South kind of winning this series if West Clark goes one for the weekend. He's one of your big bats. Mark Kingston and company, they're going to continue to put him in the three-hole, continue to put him in the four-hole. They're going to keep him in the lineup, guys. He's not going anywhere. Can Wes Clark build off of what he did? Again, I know it's the Citadel. I know it's the non-conference. Some of you say, oh, Chris, doesn't even matter. Who cares? But baseball is a funny game, and momentum comes in many different forms, many different fashions, and when you get momentum, you don't give a damn who it's against, how you did it, whatever. You just rock with it, and you roll with it, and you ride that wave. Can Wes Clark stay hot? Can he return to form? Because, again, we all know he's going to come up multiple times this weekend with an opportunity. He's going to come up multiple times with an opportunity to make a difference in the ballgame. And he's going to get pitches to hit. He's not swinging it well. Hey, the book is out on Wes Clark, guys. Breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball. That's what they're going to do. They are going to give him a steady diet of curveballs. I doubt he will see many fastballs all weekend long, and if he does, they are going to be on the black or off the plate. They're, they're not going to be middle. He's not going to get any middle fastballs to hit. 
But can Wes Clark, can he ride that wave from that Citadel game? Again, I know it's the Citadel, but it's all mental for Wes. Can he ride that wave? Can he carry that momentum and that confidence into this pivotal series against Ole Miss where you know for a fact you are going to have to hit? You're going to have to hit to win this series, bottom line. That'll be the question all weekend. Do you hit enough? So, something else I'm watching for, guys, uh, in the Sunday game. And this kid has been so good for you this year, and that's right in the picture, Will Sanders. Do we see a bounce-back weekend for Will? And and I don't want to beat up on him too much because I don't think he pitched, like, that bad in that game three. But certainly was not the Will Sanders we've all come to know and love. And, you know, as a true freshman, you know, that's going to happen when you're facing a lineup like Arkansas. And and, and he is a true freshman, guys. He is a true freshman. And he got hit around a little bit. No question. I mean, he's a guy, Will Sanders, it's interesting. You know, Will Sanders is a guy that he is all in the zone. You know what I mean? He doesn't walk, guys. He throws a lot of strikes, fills up the zone, uses his stuff. And why wouldn't you? 94 to 95, wipeout breaking stuff, power change up. I mean, it, it, it all works. You know what I mean? It all works. But when you're in the zone as much as Will Sanders is, you're going to get hit. These are SEC hitters. These are the best of the best. They're going to hit you if you throw strikes, bottom line. That's why you almost think for like Thomas Farr, he's like effectively wild. He makes it work. He makes it work. But when it comes to Will Sanders, do we see a bounce back weekend? You know, is this a kid that, how does he respond from you know, getting hit around a little bit against Arkansas. Do we see him picking corners a little more? Do we see him being a little more careful or trying to make perfect pitches? I don't think he'll do that. I think this is a kid that's attack mode, going to be in attack mode his entire career at South Carolina. But I'm just curious to see how the youngster responds and being on the road at Swayze. On the road at Swayze as a true freshman, it's going to be a raucous environment no matter what the, the, series, uh, the series looks like at that point. So again, a bounce back weekend upcoming for Will Sanders. Does he take advantage of it? Something else I'm watching for, guys, and again, this continues to be a storyline when I really feel like it shouldn't. I'll be honest. It shouldn't be a storyline. But we got to talk about it because it's still unsettled, and that is the hot corner, third base. Who starts at third base? And do we see one guy? Do we see one guy man that position the entire weekend? You know, I thought Brennan Malone played really well Tuesday night. You know, I know he only went, what, one one for four? Had a nice base knock opposite, uh, opposite field, the right center gap. And I just think, and I've told you guys time and time again, but I just think if you're Mark Kingston, and I don't know why Kingston wouldn't also think this way, but if you're Mark Kingston, man, you you just have to believe and you have to feel that picking one guy and rolling with him and giving him the opportunities and just saying, you know what, ride or die, we're going to go with you. I mean, you have to think they, they are sitting there in the locker room thinking that as well, that That's the better play. I mean, you're just never going to develop any consistency. You're not going to find your starter doing what they've done to this point. Pick one. Either it's going to be Brennan Malone, Jeff Heinrich, or Michael Robinson. But you got to pick somebody. You got to pick somebody, you know? And I I just, again, you're spinning your wheels right now. You're spinning your, your wheels going with all these different guys and all these different games. You guys know how I feel. I'd say Brennan Malone. I think he has the most upside by far. And I think if you give him the reps and you ride Brennan Malone for the next few weeks, it's going to pay off for you. But you need a third baseman going in the postseason, guys. That's kind of what I'm thinking about. You know, right now we're doing whatever. We're getting away with it. But, like, when it comes to crunch time, who is our third baseman? Who is the Gamecocks third baseman? You got to figure that out. And, again, I think it starts in a weekend like this weekend. Give a guy like Brennan Malone a chance. Hell, hell, give it to Jeff Heiner if you want. But I want to see in all three games the same dude start at the hot corner. Give somebody a chance to develop some sort of consistency. Please. And I promise you, you're going to like the results. Something else to watch for, guys. And again, I know we're all envious of it, but the road crowd at Swayze Field. Facing the road crowd. Again, this is a team that I think has done a really good job on the road, you know, traveling to Vanderbilt, traveling to Athens, uh, traveling to LSU. You know, they've handled the road atmospheres. But this, this will be like unlike anything we have faced in regards to 100% capacity. I mean, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a rocks environment. You know, they talk about us being rowdy and, and, and saying things to the opposing team and chanting and doing all this. It's going to be nuts, dude. Swayze Field is, is a crazy crazy environment it's a crazy place for those that are tuned in that know who barstool mincy is and have seen his content you've seen it on his feed he was there all last weekend they get rowdy 
in Oxford, Mississippi. How does this team respond? Again, I, I, I trust the leadership on this team. I think this team will embrace it. I think this team will respond the right way. You know, they love it when our fans chirp. I'm sure they love to get chirped at. But going on the road in that environment, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I think it's going to be very interesting because I think one of the keys in this series and something you need to do is jump on them early, especially if Gunnar Hoagland's not going Friday. If he's not going, you need to find a way to jump on Ole Miss, take the crowd out of it, and secure a game one W. You know, because as we've seen, hey, as we've seen at Founders Park, the Rowdy Roosters, the crowd can dictate a game. It can dictate momentum. It can change the course of a game. It can, believe it or not. What's that crowd like, and how do our guys handle it? Final thing I'm watching for, guys, and maybe the biggest storyline of this series or just the, the biggest talking point, which is, you know, I've been talking about all week, hey, if you're Gamecock baseball, you've got to find a way to go 3-1, and one, right? And you've, you've already accomplished – one-fourth of that, if you will, by beating Citadel. So you're one and oh. So you need to win two out of three. I just see this, for whatever reason, guys, as a pivotal series. I think it's really important to take two out of three in this one because Mississippi State next week, and I know you get them at home, but I look at that series a lot like Arkansas in the sense of, just face it, it's going to be tough to take two out of three. They're a really, really good ball club. Okay? Then you go to Kentucky, which you feel good about, but then you close with Tennessee. So. This is one of those, you know, again, I talk about when you look in the preseason at the schedule, right? You say, okay, this is the series we feel like we definitely should win. These are the series that are kind of like 50-50 we need to win, and these are the series that, hey, just don't get swept. And I talk about the just don't get swept ones being Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Mississippi State, right? Of like, okay, you know, they're on, they're in their own tier. If we can take two out of three, great, but just don't get swept. Because the sweeps, sweeping and getting swept are what really throw your season for a loop, Right? You tread water when you take two out of three or you lose two out of three. But when you get swept or you sweep, you really pick up ground or lose ground. So I think this one's really, really important. But then you look at the old Miss side, right? And I will say back to my point, by the way, I almost forgot what I was about to say. But you look at this old Miss series. This feels like one of those 50-50, you need to take two out of three. This feels like one of those toss-up series. Even on the road, but with the way Ole Miss has struggled, their questions in the pitching staff, this feels like one of those 50-50 type of series where you, you'd like to see your team take two out of three. It's a big one. It's a big one. But you look at the other side now at Ole Miss. And, guys, I didn't realize how big a series it is for them too. So the question is this and what to watch for. Who needs this series more? Who is this series more important for? Because you got the Gamecocks who, you know, just played Arkansas, have Mississippi State. You know, the schedule's tough. We don't have the gauntlet. But Ole Miss has lost four series in a row. Four series in a row. They are sitting at 10 and 8 right now in the conference. And again, were they a little bit overhyped in the preseason? I don't know. But Ole Miss was extremely highly ranked. But guys, these are their last four series. Lost two of three to LSU, lost two of three to Mississippi State, lost two of three to Arkansas. I mean, that's a gauntlet right there, by the way. And then lost two of three to Florida at their place. Before that, they started SEC play 6-0, and sweeping Auburn and Alabama. So who is this series more important for? Who needs this series more? That's a really interesting question because I – I think you could make an argument for both sides. Again, South kind of needs it, but damn, I don't know. I think, I think this one might honestly be more important for Ole Miss because to lose a fifth series in a row, I mean, that's really going to derail your season. And if they were to lose this series to even two out of three, you know, they're looking at being what 11 and 10 in the SEC. They're sitting at 10 and eight right now. Yeah, 11 and 10 in the SEC. Hell, if they got swept, they'd have a losing record. So, it's big for South Carolina. I mean, it's just as big, if not bigger, for Ole Miss. So I wonder how that plays into this series. I think you're going to see two very, very, I don't want to say desperate, but two very hungry ball clubs. They both understand what this series in Oxford means. So it's going to make it for a lot of fun. Let's move into key player of the weekend, guys. My key player for this weekend series, the Gamecocks travel to Oxford to take on Ole Miss. And most of you are thinking, all right, Chris, it's got to be Wes Clark. It's got to be Brady Allen. It's got to be a hitter. And that's what I initially thought. I sat there and I racked my brain for a solid 10 minutes of just who is the key player? You know, who is the guy that we are going to turn to that we need to have a big weekend? And again, you guys might be a little bit surprised. It's not a hitter. It's actually a pitcher. And it's not Thomas Farr. 
But it's a guy that I think to this point in the season, honestly, has been a little bit underappreciated and does not get talked about and maybe doesn't even get the respect he deserves from his own fan base. And not in a negative way, but he's just a guy that it's nothing flashy. He just sort of goes out there and he handles his business. And so my key player for this weekend is right-handed pitcher Brandon Jordan. You know, Brandon Jordan has pitched in a lot of big baseball games for South Carolina this year, and that will be the case again this weekend. Because one of two things this weekend will happen. South Carolina is either going to lose game one and continue with its game one blues. And so Brandon Jordan is either going to, one, pitch in a game that, you know what, we're going to have to battle yet again out of a hole, backs against the wall, Swayze crowd's going to be going crazy, and he's going to have to find a way to combat a really, really good Ole Miss lineup and keep us in the series and give us a chance on Sunday, which Brandon Jordan has done time and time again. He literally did it last weekend. He's done it like every single weekend. So he's very comfortable in that spot. So he's either going to pitch in that situation or, which is the situation we prefer, South Carolina is going to snap out of its game one blues. They're going to win the game on Friday. And Brandon Jordan is going to have the opportunity to shut this thing down and take this series and go into Sunday looking for a sweep. Because here's the thing. If you get in that situation, you don't want to go to Sunday with the, with the series on the line. Preferably, you'd rather not go to game three with this series on the line. Again, I know it's not a, you know, it's not going to be a night game. But, but Swayze, if, the, if it's a rubber match on Sunday, Swayze will be rocking. It will be rocking. It'll be rocking no matter what. But it will be rocking on Sunday. You'd like to avoid that if possible. And again, Brandon Jordan's a guy. He's pitched in so many big ball games for you. You know, that Saturday slot's extremely important. But he's pitched in so many big-time ball games for you. And I see that being the case again this weekend. Again, he's, he's either going to dig South Carolina out of, a, out of a hole yet again, or he's going to have the chance to clinch the series victory. Both are massive in my mind. So, again, my key player for this weekend is Saturday's starter for the Gamecocks, right-handed pitcher Brandon Jordan. So, guys, that's going to do it for my breakdown of the Ole Miss series, guys. Again, Gamecocks traveling to Oxford, Mississippi to take on the Ole Miss Rebels Friday at 7.30, Saturday at 7, Sunday at 12.30, and those games, again, Friday and Sunday on SEC Network, plus Saturday on the big channel on SEC Network. Guys, I will be doing our live stream watch-along, getting going tomorrow night, starting then live at 7.15, 6.45, and then 12.15, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Again, those are aired on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So if you guys want to tune in, watch along, I'll be live doing the live stream watch-along for all three games. Also, I will be giving my prediction for the series on tomorrow's show. In case you're wondering where that is, the prediction for the series will drop tomorrow. As again, Gamecocks and Ole Miss get going in a three-game set at Swayze this week. going to be a lot of fun, man. Like I said, there are so many storylines surrounding this series, and both teams need this one so badly. Cannot wait to watch this one. All right, guys, let's get into news and notes and your listener questions before we dive into our interview. Um, really quickly, guys, talking season. Talking season is almost here. SEC Media Days. SEC Media Days is damn near here. As it is set, Shane Beamer will speak to the media Monday, July the 19th in Hoover, Alabama at the Winfrey Hotel. He will, the third, he will be the third coach to speak that day following Dan Mullen and Ed Ordron. Excuse me. Following Mullen and Ordron. So the countdown is on. July the 19th, SEC Media Days gets rolling. And honestly, guys, I know some of you probably don't care, but SEC Media Days has like always been one of my favorite events. You know, I used to have a dream of covering SEC Media Days, like being there in person. And I don't know if that dream could probably maybe be realized this year or some year down the road, but I remember sitting there watching SEC Media Days, and it's just like, you know, you're at the point in the summer where, you know, you're so star for football and we're so ready for it. And, and uh, you know, it's just really cool to hear the coaches speak and to get excited and to get fired up and, and do all that. So, again, SEC Media Day is getting going July 19th on Monday in Hoover, Alabama. Shane Beamer with the third coach to speak that day. Also, guys, like I said at the beginning of the show, but a quick reminder, the Road to Glory series is back. Road to Glory is back. Luke Doty, we've got updated rosters. Very, very excited for that, guys. Again, we're going to continue to roll with that thing. I'm actually going to – I'm actually going to, like, be – I hate to say be serious about it, but we're going to be tracking it. Like, on social media, I'll have Luke Doty's stats. We're going to try to go from middle-of-the-pack SEC quarterback to Heisman winner and lead a good team. So, we'll like to do that, too. But, again, Road to Glory Series is back. All right, guys, let's get into your listener questions real quick. Got a couple. Tyler underscore Fields 3 says, 
is it time to move Wes Clark a little bit lower in the lineup, say fifth or sixth? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think you just trust that a good hitter is going to hit. Hey, you saw that against Citadel. He was in that four hole still. That's where he belongs, man. I mean, you're, you're either going to have success this season with Wes Clark in the three or four hole, or you're just not. I mean, I, I just, if you take him out of that spot, you move him down to the lineup, I don't think it really accomplishes anything. Wes Clark is your three or four hole hitter. He's earned that right the way he started this season. Who else are you going to put there, man? I just don't think it accomplishes anything. I don't think you do anything doing that. So, again, no, I think you keep Wes Clark where he is. And, again, you just trust that a good hitter is going to hit. And you saw that Tuesday. Consider hopefully you can carry that into this weekend series at Ole Miss. Uh, Krusty Andy says, Rowdy Roosters will turn Riot Roosters or Rage Roosters if Ray doesn't get it together. You might be right, my friend. Honestly, you might be right. Who knows? Who knows? The Riot Roosters. I love that. Uh, last two questions, guys. Austin G underscore 45. If there is going to be an upset on the schedule for football, who and why? Yeah, I've talked about this a lot. I would say Florida. I would say Florida at home. Listen, that game actually for Florida, it is the, you know, when they play South Carolina, that is the week following the world's largest outdoor cocktail party against the Georgia Bulldogs. So will there be a hangover from that? Also, South Carolina gets them at home. It'll be later in the season. You feel like things will be clicking there. And South Carolina's always seemed to play Florida. Pretty tough. And I don't think this is going to be a Gators team like last year with Kyle Pitts and, and uh, all, you know, all the guys they had on offense. I think South Carolina, I think that could be a real spot for an upset. I, I really do. South Carolina, Florida later in the year. I think that's a really, really good spot. And I think that's the one, if I look at the schedule and say, you know what, what's the best chance for a big upset, the Gamecocks game against the Gators at Willie B, I would take that one. I would take that one for sure. Uh, last question, Trip underscore zero five. Are you going to all the home games this season for football? Trip, that is the plan, my friend. That is the plan. I got big plans for football, man. I'm trying to do like TSUS tailgates and pregame and postgame shows and go inside the stadium and do all kinds of stuff. So yes, that's going to be the plan. Um, very excited to do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, man, I, like I said, I'm enjoying baseball season. I'm not rushing it away. Certainly not rushing away summer, but I cannot wait for some of the awesome stuff we've got planned for football season. It, it's it's going to be a blast, man. I mean, it's going to be a huge football season for, hey, the team, the program, but also me personally, the business, TSUS, it is going to be a wild ride, and I can't wait to enjoy it with you guys. All right, appreciate you all tuning in, guys. It's been a lot of fun, but it's not over yet. We've got a great conversation again. Ben Mintz, a.k.a. Barstool Minty of Barstool Sports. Like I said in the beginning, guys, I'm not sure I ever envisioned getting a Barstool personality on the podcast, but here we are. Here we are. Positive momentum keeps rolling, guys. So, again, appreciate you all tuning in. Have a fantastic Thursday. Now, enjoy this conversation with Ben Mintz, a.k.a. Barstool Mincy of Barstool Sports. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show. Very excited, guys. You know, normally we stick to Gamecock athletes, personalities, if you will. Every now and then we step outside of that realm. And today is one of those days. I'm very, very excited. I'm going to read his bio specifically from the BarstoolSports.com website. Former professional poker player and a sports radio host. Graduated from Ole Miss with a degree in finance. Uh, lover New Orleans widespread panic. Also, of course, he is an Ole Miss fan. Like I said, very avid. He's pushing college baseball content for Barstool Sports, which, again, is one of the big reasons I wanted to have him on because, of course, the Gamecocks are traveling to Oxford, Mississippi this weekend, Swayze Field. South going to take an old Ole Miss in a three-game series this weekend. You guys probably have seen him on social media. Better know him as Barstool Mints. Very pleased to be joined by Ben Mintz, a.k.a. Barstool Mints, an avid Ole Miss Rebel fan. What's up, man? How you doing? Appreciate you uh, taking the time. Doing good, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this morning. And, uh, you know, excited to come on here and talk a little bit about the series in Oxford this weekend. And uh, I got to say that – I get a lot of support from South Carolina fans and even a lot of the players follow me and stuff. And so uh, I'm thrilled to come on here. Yeah, a lot of stoolies and, of course, you know, South Carolina fans and really the SEC. We love our college baseball and I love what you're doing with the college baseball content. I want to get to that in just a second. But, Mincy, obviously, again, you know, like I said, I read your bio. You know, I know that you did some work down in, what, Louisiana and Mississippi with, with radio and stuff like that. You've been in media prior to Barstool Sports, but sort of got found by Dave Portnoy. Now you've been with them, I guess, what, the past six months, I want to say? Yeah, six months. So, <clears throat> basically, uh, I was a pro poker player from 2006 to 14, and I did really – you know, I had a good career. I was top 200 in the world in online poker, and uh, I got 75th in the World Series main event in 2011. Wow. And that was all I did from 06 to 14. And I was living in NOLA. 
And in kind of early 14, I realized things weren't going the way I wanted to. And I went back to Ole Miss when I was 31, mm. finished in a year. And then I got hooked up uh, basically through a friend that did sports radio in North Louisiana, helped get me a job in Shreveport. And I was drive time sports radio in Shreveport, Bossier, which is about 250K market mm. uh, for four years, actually. And I got let go right as COVID started. Mm. And uh, I was back in Oxford a year ago playing online poker, which is where that blog picks up from yesterday. And uh, I'd been doing stuff with ESPN Baton Rouge since 2017. I'd been a, the game on guy off the bench with T-Bob Hebert, who's one of my close friends. And I thought it might lead to a job. And then it, it eventually did in late June, early July. And I moved down to Baton Rouge, was living in the Garden District, uh, working for ESPN Baton Rouge, and I was loving that. Honestly, that was the job I wanted. It's one of the right. top radio stations in the South. I'm from Louisiana, but went to right. Ole Miss. So I do have deep ties in Louisiana as well. And – then this video went off uh, of me going nuts after Ole Miss beat Kentucky, and somehow it landed me at Barstool. So last year I lived in four cities, had three jobs. Uh, yeah, it's just been just a wild story. But so far I've been at Barstool six months. I think it's going really, really well. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I feel like a lot of – because, of course, I follow Barstool, and you guys do a fantastic job, obviously, in Barstool Sports. The name speaks for itself and what Dave has built and everybody in that building has built. But it's kind of crazy. I feel like some of the best personalities or just a lot of the personalities in general, it's almost like – I don't want to say they end up there accidentally, but, like, it's not your normal, like, hey, I'm going to go send a DM or apply. Like, it's the power of social media. Like, you just run into great people and you run into great talent. And I guess you're a great example of that. It just sort of – it just sort of happens. Like, it's kind of wild how social media has changed the game so much where, like, you know, it's given someone like me an opportunity to build a platform, somebody like you an opportunity to be at Barstool Sports. I mean, it's, it's really awesome because, I mean, it definitely sounds like you you had a passion for media. You had a passion for sports media. You were doing the radio thing, like you said, in Shreveport and Shreveport and, and Baton Rouge and everything. But it's like I said, it's just crazy how the shift in media going to all social media as we've seen the past 10 years or so, like, gives – people like you and I, an opportunity, especially you, you know, just to land at Barstool. And obviously it's been a great thing for you to this point. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy because there, there's positive and negatives to social media. But as you said, everybody's got a platform that they can do uh, with it what they want. And that was a huge part of me getting there. Uh, I love that they also at Barstool, they give you a ton of creative freedom. And I right. mean, I got up there, look, Brandon Walker, obviously a Mississippi State guy. Oh, yeah. From Mississippi. But they want me to help build the Southeastern Conference stuff. And you know, if they want me to help build the South stuff, I told them, I'm like, you know, you're going to let me get after this college baseball because you want to build yeah. the South. That's what these people care about. And so uh, they were all about it. And the last few months, I, I'm kind of hopping around. I went to Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Starkville two weekends ago. Last week, I was at Ole Miss all week, did the spring football game in the LSU series. I'm actually heading to Baton Rouge tomorrow and boy. going to Arkansas LSU <laughs> at Alex Box. Then I'm also going to the SEC tournament and Omaha. Nice. So we're trying to just get out on the road build this thing yeah i was gonna say we just saw arkansas a damn good ball club and i'm actually trying to get down to hoover as well never been down there and i got a buddy that tells me it's like omaha junior and i mean you think with the teams that are down there it basically is just like a play into omaha and that's what it should be anyways i want to ask you about again you've been pushing the college baseball content specifically uh you know on twitter i think it was like beginning of april you know you were basically saying you know making it an initiative to push it what made you want to do that i mean again obviously i know you and i you know, knowing the SEC and the fan bases, it's kind of an obvious, but for people that maybe haven't been aware or even aware that Barstool is pushing more college baseball, I mean, you've seen Jared Carabas doing it, and I, I think the overall Barstool account, but what, what made you want to push the college baseball content so hard? Because, again, I think it's been a huge success, especially with all of the great baseball we've seen in the SEC this year. Yeah, well, I think the big thing was when you look at working at a place like Barstool, a lot of our guys are from the North and the Midwest, right. most of them. Yeah. And – well, there are guys in there that are 10 times, 100 times more talented than I'll ever be. But what I'm doing is different because I'm the South guy. And so I'm a high-energy South guy, and I'm trying to take my content and just – I'm not trying to copy anybody else. I'm just right. trying to be myself. And the college baseball is something that I thought was pretty wide open. Nobody really attacked it yet. And I'm, I've am i been part of the left field tailgate in Oxford for 10 – or I guess eight years. I grew up watching the LSU Gorilla Ball Skip Bertman teams in my childhood that right. won five national championships. And so I've always been a college baseball fan, and I think it's the most underrated sport there is. And then especially when you look at atmospheres like y'all got in Columbia at Founders Park, and Ole Miss has an Oxford, and Mississippi State has the dude in Starkville, and LSU at the box, Baton Rouge, and Arkansas at Bomb State. 
people need to know about this stuff. I mean, it's just an awesome sport and it's a lot of fun. And uh, I think, you know, a lot of the same people that are college baseball fans are Barstool fans too. I think it applies to the players and, you know, I love Omaha. I love the college world series and I'm looking forward to the SEC tourney. And I just thought it was an obvious fit. And, you know, this year's kind of a trial run on it. You know, I'm just going real hard at it, but the response has been super big. And I just think it's a lane that I'm going to be part of going forward. Yeah, and I think it's a great year, Mincy, to do that trial run because the game of college baseball, I feel like this is probably the best we've ever seen it because of the five-round draft last year, and you had so many guys. I mean, I look at South Carolina's roster specifically, Jack Mahoney, Will Sanders, a couple of guys that probably wouldn't have come to college um, if we had had a full 40-round draft. And these dudes, I mean, you're seeing I – think, I think I read something from D1 Baseball. There's been like 81 guys that have thrown 95 or harder. I mean, it's just insane what college baseball has turned into – but uh, you mentioned you're familiar with South Carolina baseball and Founders Park. I, I'd love to just get your take on that again, because, again, as somebody that knows SEC baseball, and, of course, South Carolina's had their run-ins with Ole Miss before in Columbia, in Oxford. What I guess what do you know about South Carolina baseball? And I, I guess when you think of Carolina baseball, you know, what comes to mind for you as far as the overall program? Okay, well, first of all, the only time I've been to Columbia to South Carolina was actually football. I went to that Thursday night game that was when Ole Miss was super overrated. The Jevin, the Jevin Sneed, rest in peace, Yeah, Jevin yeah, Sneed. yeah. I love Jevin. But man, that atmosphere at Williams-Brice that night. The birth, the birth of Sandstorm, my friend. Yeah, that was <laughs> – <ooh>, man. <laughs> I was so there, bad. too. Yeah, when South Carolina beat Ole Miss, it's the first time <laughs> I've been to Columbia. As far as South Carolina baseball, I mean, I'm meeting – think Ray Tanner, I mean, the legend, legend of the game, you know, back-to-back national championships. South Carolina's got a ton of tradition. I also think about a fan base that's just extremely passionate. I mean, I always go back to football and Lou Holtz went 0-11 and they'll still sold out William Bryce every game. I mean, I've seen what happens when Ole Miss sucks and <laughs> very, very far from sellouts. And so I just have a lot of respect for that passion of fan base. There's a ton of tradition. And, uh, you know, I think they're getting it back going now. I mean, I know in 2019 made a super regional. You know, you're looking at this team that's having an excellent season currently, I believe, 11-7 and seven in a strong, yeah. strong SEC. Very tough schedule down the stretch uh, this year. But I think when I really look back at South Carolina, I just think about Ray Tan and everything he's built and that's that program. Mm. Now, I want to talk about this Ole Miss Rebels team, uh, Minty, because I'm looking at the schedule right now. I think you guys have lost like four straight SEC series or something like that. I mean, Ole Miss is a very good team this year. Let me go ahead and point that out. Number one in the SEC in batting average. You know, we were talking Arkansas last weekend and how they can swing it. Ole Miss can swing it. I mean, there's no doubt the best hitting team arguably in the SEC, but it's been a little bit of a rough go lately. I know lost two or three to Florida, lost two or three to Arkansas, lost – I think two or three to Mississippi State in a really tough back and forth series, which I actually watched that Friday night game and that was and the Sunday, and that was an incredible series. And then the LSU series, I know obviously you were there and you guys avoided the sweep on Sunday, but what's I guess what's been the issue with Ole Miss? Because obviously they're a very high quality ball club. And as you and I know, Mintz, you know, the SEC is just beating up on each other. I mean, if you go, I said this in the preseason for South Carolina specifically, if you go 16 and 14 or better in this league. You had a fantastic year. I mean, 500 or better in the SEC is like winning the conference in other conferences. What's been the thing for Ole Miss, though, that you look at this ball club and you feel like maybe there's been a piece missing or it just hasn't clicked, I guess, even the last couple of weekends? Well, there's a few things. First of all, Ole Miss is 10 and 8 in the SEC, but they're like a, a very lucky to beat 10 and 8. And you know this when it comes to Southeastern Conference baseball. When you win or lose two out of three, you kind of tread water. Right. It's the sweeps when you get them or when you get swept that are just. Yeah, drastically affect everything. And Ole Miss started out sweeping Auburn and then sweeping Bama at Bama. And that got them a six and over cushion. They've lost two out of three, four weeks in a row. Yeah. But because they got those two sweeps, they're still 10 and eight and over 500. And uh, that just shows you how important sweeps are. As far as the problems on this Ole Miss team, there's two things that stand out. First of all, other than Taylor Broadway, the bullpen's a mess, complete mess. And, you know, Gunnar Hoglund and Doug Nikhazy have been great one-two starters at the top of it. Uh, Hoglund got scratched last week due to shoulder soreness. They hope he's going to go this week. Uh, I think he's going to be all right, but they're just being careful and cautious because he's a top 15 pick. Uh, but the bullpen has let them – you know, you saw that start bowl. You saw that in the Baton Rouge series. I mean, this bullpen's been a real, real problem. The other thing, too, is uh, it's been a little bit of a mess and sticky in the field, too. Uh, a lot of guys playing new positions this year. Here. Tim Elko, who was going to be an All-American, who was the yeah. NCAA hitter of the month in March, tore his ACL yeah, in early April, tough. which is yeah. a terrible loss uh, right in the heart of the order. And so it's kind of been a few things, but I still love the Hogland, the Casey one, too. Mm-hmm. This team can still hit. 
I mean, I think it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit – it's certainly not a perfect team, but I think it's a pretty good team. And to me, uh, the game on Saturday, they were about to get swept by LSU at home, and uh, I was out there. I went to all of them. They were down 9-1 to one in the bottom of the eighth and hit a three-run bomb, a grand slam to tie, and in the first pitch of the bottom of the ninth, Kim Alderman, a freshman, hits a walk-off bomb. And, you know, baseball is a funny game. Oh, yeah. Momentum and confidence. I'm kind of hoping that game kind of turns – the attitude and atmosphere around. And we'll see what happens this week in Oxford. I think it's going to be a heck of a series and atmosphere. Yeah, four straight series losses for Ole Miss. So, obviously, it's a pivotal series for Ole Miss. I say it's also a pivotal series for South Carolina. Just when you look at the the rest of the schedule, and, of course, South Carolina, again, sitting at 11-7 and seven in conference play, like you mentioned. You know, after this weekend, you got Mississippi State. And I know it's at home, but I look at that series, you know, very similar to Arkansas, which I'm sure you'd agree with this, Mincy, that you look at the schedule in the preseason. And I tell fans this because, you know, of course, people – of course, people on Twitter are so rational, right? Like You lose two out of three to Arkansas. The sky is falling. This team stinks, whatever. And it's like they're the number one team in the country. And when you look at the schedule in the preseason, fans, they may not want to admit it. But there's some series you look at and say, okay, we should definitely win two of three, maybe sweep. There's some series that are like, okay, 50-50. And like you were mentioning, sweeps and getting swept are so big in SEC play. There's some series you look at that you're like, all right, just don't get swept. If you can win two of three, great but just don't Van, – at Vandy at Vandy was one of those for South Carolina. Even Arkansas at home was one of those. I could argue I could argue Mississippi State might be one of those. And then you've got Kentucky on the road and Tennessee at home to close out the season. <clears throat> and what the Vols are doing, I mean, that, that could be a series with the SEC East on the line. So I, I think looking at this weekend, what's so interesting is this is a pivotal series, I think, for both teams. Oh, yeah. Because um, I've said all week I think South Carolina needs to win two out of three. And, of course, Ole Miss – you got four straight series losses. I mean, backs against the wall. It's like, it's time to go. Um, I didn't know the thing about Hoagland. So, when, when are they going to know about him? Is he going to be like a game Man, time I, I, what, what I heard, he got scratched. He threw last Friday or last Thursday, and his mm. shoulder was a little tight. They've been keeping it real quiet, hush, hush. Uh, they held him out, but Bianco and every my sources are all telling me that it was just precautionary. They were going to give him an extra week of rest, and he's going to try to go this week. Mm. Uh, but that's something to watch incredibly closely because right. when you look at this Ole Miss pitching staff, Hoagland and Nikhazy, I mean, nobody is Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. That's yeah. the greatest one-two combo I've seen. The only one I can think yeah. of is Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole at UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but Hoagland and Nikhazy are – Super stout one too, and so if he goes, if Hoagland's down and goes missing for a while, I mean that that's almost uh, that's just a crippling blow, especially after losing Elko. So hopefully, Hoagland's good to go. And with him and Casey at the top of that one too, I feel very good about that part of the rotation. Yeah, I was gonna say with Elko falling down, who have been the guys you feel like have stepped up the most? Because I'm just looking at the statistics, and obviously I'm doing actually, you know, we're talking on Wednesday, and this will come out on Thursday. I'm actually doing. My old Miss deep dive tonight for the show, but I mean, I see Kevin Graham, eight homers, 35 RBIs. You look at a guy like Hayden Leatherwood, Jacob Gonzalez. Like, who do you feel like TJ McCants, obviously at the top of that lineup has been incredible, but who are the guys you feel like have stepped up most in the, in the absence of Tim Elko? Well, Leatherwood's hit four, hit four bombs and four, hit three in Starkville over the last weekend and then hit another one. Uh, he's, he's been getting hot. It's kind of been the sum of the whole parts. Kale Baker got mm. put in at first base and his, Average is like 220 when he got put in. Now he's pushing 300. He's been hitting the ball at the back of the lineup. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of an overall team effort. You mentioned McCants. He hit the grand slam against LSU. Keep an eye on Kemp Alderman. He was a true freshman, big recruit, kind of struggled in fall ball. They put him in the lineup on Tuesday. He's the one who hit the walk-off on Saturday. So he's a the guy they're going to be pushing going forward. But when you lose a guy that's an All-American yeah. or going to be an All-American, you know, it's not not any one player is going to replace him. It's kind of the, the sum of the whole team. Yeah. And uh, luckily, Ole Miss does have solid depth in the lineup. Like I said, I think that there's some issues in the field, though, that it caused. Yeah, Kale Baker, an incredible head of hair, by the way. I, I must uh, yeah. say, that, that dude has got insane flow over there at first base. I, I want to ask you, uh, Mincy, about Swayze Field specifically. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be making the trip, but it, what it's 100% capacity, right? I mean, oh, it, yeah. No, yeah, it's so, uh, Mississippi. So, so I'll give you this. So Mississippi did an awesome job on the vaccine rollout, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have the biggest population. And so they're just vaccines everywhere, man. Right. Every, they did a great job. And uh, Tate Reeves, the governor, uh, opened it up, I guess it was like a month ago. And mm -hmm. like I was there last weekend, it was fully the outdoor <clears throat> right, stuff. Right, right. And I mean, the Mississippi State Ole Miss series was insane. I mean, I, mean, I was just saying that Mississippi State Ole Miss series was absolutely nuts. Like, it was incredible. I mean, I was jealous. I was like, I want to be there. That was my first one time I've been to the dude in Starkville, and wow. that was the nicest college ballpark I've ever been to. I mean, <laughs> right. it blew me away how nice it was, the architecture and the sight lines. <clears throat> uh, 
Ole Miss's atmosphere is incredible, and I love Swayze, and especially uh, I'm out in left field, and we do it huge, man. We had crawfish bowls and gumbo and grill out burgers and steaks, and uh, we we do it really big out in left center. Uh, and the student section is right field right. in Oxford. But, uh, man, I want to say how nice that state ballpark was. I mean, it, it, it blew me away. Uh, looking for a great atmosphere in Swayze this weekend. This is also the first of – they're doing two graduation weekends this year because they didn't have one last year. And right. so Oxford's going to be jammed. Uh, it's going to be really, really big atmosphere and wild this weekend. And I, like, in the same vein as you, uh, we're both hoping our schools win two out of three on this one. Ole Miss yeah. – <laughs> Really needs to, uh, after losing four series in a row, but did have that huge comeback on Saturday. Kind of hoping that's the springboard to get this thing going. Kind of think they need to get to 17 and 13, I think, to host a regional. I think that's a fair thing. And Ole Miss is scheduled down the stretch. South Carolina going to be very tough at home. Vandy coming in going to be very tough. But the road series manageable at A&M, at Georgia. I think seven and five here is, is definitely in play. Yeah, it's interesting, man. You, you say the biggest, I guess you would probably say the key for Ole Miss this weekend would be the bullpen, I'd imagine, the, the pitching staff. And for South yeah, well, Carolina. Gunnar Hogland. Yeah, so I've, I've paid attention to South Carolina teams, and I've noticed y'all kind of lost a lot of Friday night games and bounced back. Every single one of them <laughs> outside yeah. of Florida, which we won in 14 innings. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that. And so, That's to insane. me, uh, the Hogland thing is big. I mean, yeah. if he can go Friday, Ole Miss needs to win that first game. Yeah. Uh, really, really bad. Take advantage of that. And then Nikhazy's been pitching. I mean, he's been pitching yeah. almost as good as anybody in the Southeastern Conference on Saturday. Yeah. So I feel good about that. And, you know, it seems like South Carolina is really tough on Sundays. Uh, when you look at Ole Miss, uh, Diamond, Derek Diamond, the freshman, uh, feels like he's been coming on lately. Uh, look, I think he's going to be the number three starter on Sunday. He pitched pretty well uh, against LSU, even in the loss on last Friday. But, you know, overall, I think Ole Miss needs to get a very, very important to win that first game of the series with the way yeah. South Carolina tends to close and not. And also just to to build on the momentum from last yeah. Saturday, because I'm telling you, man, it was like a morgue in that stadium yeah. last week. You get swept at home by team, LSU team that was four eleven coming in. Granted, a very talented LSU yeah, team. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, y'all yeah. just saw y'all just saw them. I mean, they got those yeah. freshmen are Trey Morgan and Dylan Cruz and Jordan yeah. Thompson. I mean, those guys no, are they're, awesome. they're very talented. Very. Yeah, I, I, I told I told our I told our listeners I said, listen, they might not have the best record, but you don't go to play baseball at LSU if you suck. Let me put it that way. No, <laughs> not at all. So I kind of feel like they're not bad, but uh, I just thought the season felt like it was kind of crumbling, and that's comeback Saturday. I'm hoping is the springboard, and you know I don't think Ole Miss is like a top five team or anything right, like right. that. I do think they were a little overrated early, but I do think they have the capability of hosting a regional, and then you know how college yeah. baseball goes, man. You can get hot in the postseason and anything can happen and so I think that's got to be the goal right now is to uh to right the ship and try to get to like 17 and 13 or I mean 18 and 12 seems auspicious yeah. 10 yeah. and 8 that, but you never know um but if you you know and just really need to focus on getting that uh regional bid yeah that, that's what I'm shooting for for South Carolina too 17 and 13 18 and 12 if you can go six and six in these final 12 games I, I think you know, and that's I think that's a very conservative hope and prediction but if you can do that six and six seven and five You've done your job. You've secured a hosting spot. I think that's really all you can ask for. And like you said, um, who knows in the postseason. But it's interesting, this game one. Yeah, I think it's super pivotal because, again, South Carolina, the the game one blues, that's the top storyline, I feel like, going into every series at this point because they haven't won a game one in so long. And I, I will tell you, man, that game one's pivotal because I just think, you know, I, I said it last week against Arkansas, you keep playing with fire, you're going to get burned at some point. You cannot just keep losing game one and winning series. And South Carolina did that, I think, like three or four weekends in a row. And it's just, you know, when you're facing the number one team in the country like Arkansas, I just knew it's going to burn you. When you go on the road and you're facing a talented team like Ole Miss, it's going to be hard to get away with that. You know, when they're at their home ballpark, you think you're going to give them the edge in regards to if you come down to a Sunday rubber match, you know, you feel good about Will Sanders on the bump, but it's just going to be tough to get that W there uh, in Swayze. So, again, a, a, a series with a lot of storylines, but I'm really looking forward to it. This, this is a – you know, it's one that both teams really need. I mean, it's really need. We're getting down the stretch in SEC play. And, I mean, man, it's it's just college baseball at its finest. That's, that's really all you can say. No, I'm, I'm pumped about it. Uh, I think Ole, Ole Miss has lost four straight Fridays, too, though. So, somebody, somebody's got to win. <laughs> something's got to give. Hey, something's got to give. Something's got to give. Yeah, something's got to uh, give on Friday. The atmosphere will be completely on fire. And uh, I want to just mention this, like I said. I mean, I'm – there's a few teams since I got into college baseball that these fan bases have noticeably stood out to me, and South Carolina is uh, one of them. I mean, they're kind of in the running in my head to be at the Barstool team at this point. Uh, the support I've gotten, and I think South Carolina and Ole Miss, there's some parallels too because yeah. y'all, y'all have a deal with Florida and Georgia as kind yeah. of the mega programs uh, in, in the SEC East, and uh, you know, Ole Miss is kind of 
you know, behind, you know, when you look at how the West is, it's kind of similar. Oh, yeah. You know, that, I feel like there's a little parallels there uh, because of that. But, man, it's, uh, it's a huge series this weekend. And you said you're trying to make Hoover because I'm really excited. About yeah, that. no, I, I definitely want to go, man. I've never been. And I've got some friends that have been that, that are like, dude, you have to go. And so this is really the first year doing this full time that I'm going to have the opportunity to actually go. And so I'm like, dude, why not? I mean, it's the best college baseball. I mean, I, you know, the only thing I'm scared of is South Carolina traditionally has been horrid in Hoover. Even their best teams that won back-to-back titles were like two in Q or maybe played three games. But either way, still would love to go, still would love to see it because it's going to be an absolute slugfest out there. I mean, the best teams in college baseball, the best quality of college baseball, you really can't ask for anything more. Well, what's um, interesting to me on yeah. Hoover is this year because they're announcing the sites earlier, the host yeah. sites. Are teams going to be careful with their pitching staffs in Hoover if it doesn't affect their NCAA tournament thing? I mean, I would think they would. Well, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, man. I think those postseason tournaments, I mean, I'd ask you, do they really benefit the best teams? I mean, they've already got it locked up. Who cares? You know what I mean? I guess it it doesn't really matter for Vandy what they do in Hoover. You know what I mean? But, like, for a team like, I don't know, maybe Texas A&M or somebody else that's like, hey, we need to win the tournament to get in. That's who it really matters for and who it can help or a team that's on the bubble. But, yeah, I mean, for your best teams, you know, if you're a, if you're a 20-win SEC ball club, why do you give a damn about Hoover and what you do there? I mean, it, you know, we used to joke, like I said, with the 10, 11, and 12, and South Carolina's never been good there. I used to joke with my buddies that played at South Carolina, like, dude, we didn't care. I mean, we just, we're just ready to get to the postseason. Hey, it gives us more time to rest. Go two and Q and take a week off and get ready for the regional. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. You make a good point, though. But it's still, I, I, you know, I think it is important, you know, winning that tournament, winning your conference overall. It's, it's, it's still a pretty cool thing and a thing I think you can hang your hat on. And I know Hoover doesn't matter, but, man, I sure would love to see South Carolina hoist that banner one of these days. Ole Miss has done well in Hoover yeah. recent, recent years. I always think anytime I think of Hoover, I think of the LSU Tigers, though. I mean, good God. The Veneery, yeah. every year they start slower and turn it on late April, May, and then they're just a terror in Hoover. Uh, this year, though, 4-11 on this field is, like, too big. And, you know, they, they really blew a golden opportunity at a sweep last weekend in Oxford. And uh, they've got – I'm go, like I said, I'm going to Alex Box. Like, I'm yeah. trying to – look, everybody knows I'm an Ole Miss fan. That's mm. not not anything that's news to anyone. But I'm trying to get out and not just do Ole Miss right. games. I'm excited right. to go uh, to Alex Box this weekend. And on this trip, I hit the dude in Starkville, Swayze, yeah. uh, and the box. And so, I'm, I'm looking forward to that series, too. LSU's gotten the best of Arkansas historically in baseball, even when Arkansas is great. So, I'm yeah. curious – yeah, for sure, man. We'd love to have you at Founders Park. And obviously, I think you're a lot like me. I mean, I'm a Gamecocks fan, but I appreciate college baseball. And oh, the I just like being out around the afternoon. Right, exactly, exactly. Showing at the bar stool. I'm showing it to all these people in the North and Midwest that haven't seen yeah. can't, you can't be You can't beat a weekend at a great SEC ballpark. It doesn't matter which one it is. Mincy, this has been a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Two things before I let you go, or a couple things. Yeah, that's fine. Num- number one, Honestly, I saw your videos on social media and I was like, does this dude talk like this all the time? Or is he just like hyping it up for the videos? I am so pleased to see and hear that you are actually like you actually sound like that. You know what I mean? Like I I, (laughs) you put on a little bit for the people, but it's like this dude has that like you feel like you should be like announcing like MMA or like boxing at mid rank. Like they got to get you at rough and rowdy bro, to like call the people out. You have that you know, that voice, like that, everything you say can be like dramatic. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. But I will say for, for radio and podcasts, I mean, this is how I usually talk in real life. Right, but right. One minute videos are just crank. You got to play up. it up. You got to crank oh, the volume yeah, up. You got to crank sure. the volume just up. Like in the name of Stu, like how Stu <laughs> Bonner does yeah. it. I mean, no one's Stu Bonner, but I kind of yeah. turn it up like he does my way. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, I don't know. The, the funniest thing is when Dave called me for the first time, they're about to hire me. I said hello. And the first thing he said was, "Your voice sounds exactly uh, how how hoped it would," which I thought was funny. I got the North Louisiana draw. Right, right, right. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a funny thing, but it, the good thing is, is it's unique and it stands out, so people know when I'm in the room. So yeah, a, my my sister actually lives now in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She went to South Carolina, graduated, and lives down there. And actually, lives in Zachary, Louisiana. But I oh, went yeah. down. I went down there for the South Carolina LSU football game, which, outside of the game itself, was a great time. And even with like the limited capacity, and we all know how weird football season was with like fifteen percent or twenty percent or whatever it was. I will say Baton Rouge was a blast, man. I, and I will say we went to New Orleans and everything. It's truly like its own culture down. Like it's a whole different, it's a different world. The Cajun, I will say though, the food, incredible. Can't wait to go back. Yeah, I was so, mad. I, I was mad I didn't get to go to Alex Box for the baseball series, honestly. The South Louisiana thing, uh, you know, I lived in New Orleans. 
ones from 09 to 14. And then I did a lot of stuff at ESPN Baton Rouge and just lived down there. So I've got extremely deep ties down there. It was actually a funny irony. I got hired as the other guy from Mississippi, but then we've got such strong Louisiana right. ties, which would be great for Barstool because I'm getting right, so much right. support from both states. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, but yeah, I love, uh, love Baton Rouge. And honestly, that, like I told you, that was the job I wanted was working right, at ESPN right. Baton Rouge. And I can't wait to get back there. I got a lot of friends down there. Also, LaBerge. Baton Rouge is a pin property. I'm going to be staying there. We're going to be doing some NFL draft stuff in there Thursday night. I'm awesome. Excited. Yeah. Obviously, tonight when this drops, the NFL draft going on. Again, Mincy, this was great. One last thing before I let you go. I feel like my, my followers, my listeners would hate me if I didn't ask you. El Presidente, Dave Portnoy. What, what, I'm sure you've had limited convos because he's just obviously doing his thing. He's, he's all over, obviously, making great content. But what, what have the interactions been like? I know people are dying to know, like, what is El Presidente actually like? Well, okay, he's one of those guys that when he walks in the room, you know his presence. There's only right. a few I've been around in life. Like when, you, when he walks in, you freaking know it. He's got right. that kind of charisma, whatever. I, I don't even know what the word is for it. But overall, my read on Dave, look, I, he called me out the other day. He's an idiot, and I tweeted that I was going on vacation with my family for a couple of days. <laughs> I, Barstool, I, I'm, I'm still new to it, right, and vacation gaming's right. a thing at Barstool. <laughs> So uh, I deserve that, even though I, I definitely <laughs> worked from here. Uh, and, and I'm, you know, I've been working on this trip. I was in auction for a week and start, but, you know, I'm going to Baton Rouge for Penn. But uh, that was kind of one of the first times I've been in his crosshairs. But the biggest thing I've heard about Dave, you show up, you work hard, you have a good attitude, you're good. Right. He's going to call you out when you're out of line, and you deserve it. And yeah. I kind of deserve it for that. So, you know, such such as such, such as life. Overall, I mean, he's kind of he's, – he's in Miami a ton lately. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, that's kind of my read. I mean, he's not – I mean, he, he, he definitely has his favorites in the company and stuff. But he, he's – like I said, I got nothing but a huge amount of respect for him, yeah. what he built, especially with the Barstool Fund. I think oh, that yeah. was unbelievable how much he helped those businesses. So, you know, I, I tell people all the time it's an honor and a privilege to work for him. and something I take very, very seriously. Yeah, as someone that makes content myself, obviously you look at Dave, what he's built, obviously the golden standard. I'm glad he brought you on, man. Obviously pushing the college baseball stuff. It's been incredible to follow. Glad you guys are doing it because I agree with what you said earlier. It's such an untapped market. It's so underappreciated. It's still not on TV enough in my mind. It, it's really a product that has so much value and people love. And I think people, again, as we continue to go, people are going to continue to see that in a brand like Barstool, bringing awareness to it. Um, I think that's something that's great for everybody. But again, Ben Mintz, a.k.a. Barstool Mincy, taking the time. It's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Have a lot of fun this weekend in, uh, in Baton Rouge and go Cox. <laughs> <laughs> Take it easy. Thank y'all for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. He's Barstool Mintz. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show.